fellowship around the comfort of your word. Your word brings us strength, light, comfort, encouragement, correction, reproof. It gives us a, a path to follow. It's a roadmap to eternity. We ask, Father God, that as we study your word today about prayer, that you would speak to us and we would become prayer warriors. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in the Gospel of John. And turn, if you would please, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to look at the chapter. And we're going to start off with verses 1 and 2. Jesus spoke these words, which means what he had just finished speaking, okay? Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify yourself that your son also may be we glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now look on down to verse 6 through 8. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have, they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the word which you have given to me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Go skip on down to 14. The reason I'm having a little bit of difficulty, this is a, one of my older Bibles and the words of Christ in red. And sometimes they're hard to read when you get old. Okay. 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. And then look down at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. There's some good stuff in chapter 17, and we want to examine it. This is called the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. We know that Jesus is recorded in the scripture as our great high priest. Not a great high priest. There were many high priests throughout the Old Testament and even in the New. And they served as long as they lived. And when they died, then their successor would be of their family. And so there were many uh, over the centuries and thousands of years, many high priests. And, uh, but there's only one great high priest, and that's Jesus. Amen. We read about that in the, 
in the scripture, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But the first thing we need to recognize here in this great high priestly prayer, Jesus is not praying for himself. He's praying for others. It's important for us to understand, this is not one of the principles we're dealing with today in prayer, but it's important nonetheless. To think about how much you pray about stuff for you and yours versus how much you pray for others. And Jesus is not praying for himself. He is just about ready to go to the cross. But he's not praying for himself. He's praying for others. And we're going to see that in detail. So Jesus gives us a, a benchmark about our praying. That even when we have crisis in our lives, we should not forsake praying for others. That's right. That's right. It's an easy habit to get into, isn't it, though? we got a problem. Lord, uh, dear Lord, I've got this going on, and you know this, that, and the other, and so-and-so did this to me, and they're wanting to do that to me, and, and uh, uh, Lord, help me. Can we forget to pray about the billions of other people that have just as big a problems as we do, and we forget to pray for them? Am I the only one who forgets to pray? Am I the only one? Or is it a kind of a consensus? Uh, it's easier because it's personal, and you, you want that answer to your prayer and for you and your family and those around you. But Jesus exhibited, even when he was going through the greatest crisis of his earthly life, he knew what was coming. The nails were coming. The Roman whip across his back was coming. The crown of thorns was coming. The nails in his hands and his feet, the spirit, he knew it was coming. Say, well, he was the son of God, it wouldn't hurt. Oh, no. He was very much flesh and blood. God made flesh. The Word made flesh. But he didn't pray for himself right then, did he? No. And even in the garden, when he prayed, he was just praying to be in the center of the Father's will. If it would be possible for this cup to pass from me, but not my will. Father, yours be done. So here in this great high priestly prayer, Jesus prays, but he doesn't pray for himself necessarily. He's praying for the, the will of God to be manifest and for others besides himself. Now, Jesus spoke these words. That's what happened before. Okay, understand what we're saying here? It's not saying Jesus spoke these words and here's what he prayed. No, he spoke these words and it refers back to chapter 14, 15, and 16. And after he spoke those words in chapter 14, 15, and 16, then he talked to his father. <coughs> 
And we want to, in order to have the proper context, you can't just pull verses out of the air and without the context of them. It's, uh, the setting is important in every portion of Scripture. And when you hear people just pulling a verse out of nowhere and trying to tell you what it means, it's a, a very good possibility. It doesn't mean anything they're talking about. It's out of context. I actually heard a pastor one time, pastor of a large church one time, uh, stand up and read a verse of scripture and say, I preached on this last Sunday. It was out of context, but it was a great message. There's something wrong there, folks. There's something wrong there. The word out of context is, is, is not the word. And so uh, let's look at John chapter 13. Turn there, would you please? And uh, look at verse 36 in chapter 13. Jesus has just been saying that where I'm going, you can't come. Now Peter took issue with that. In verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say to you that the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Uh, if you were with us Sunday, we were looking at the fact that you can know if you're going to have the courage to lay down your life for Jesus. And I ask for a show of hands, how many have ever wondered about that? Would, would I, if push comes to shove and they say, deny Christ or we're going to kill you, would I have the, the stamina to do that? How many of you have ever thought about that? I don't know, you know, I'd like to think I would, you know. But the, the Bible is very clear. If we're not willing to live for Him, we'll never be willing to die for Him. That's right. Amen. If we're not willing to live for Him now, we'll not die for Him. And uh, Peter made that mistake. He said, oh yeah, I, I, I'd lay down my life for you. And he meant it. He wasn't messing around. He meant it. But when they came and arrested Jesus, what did Simon Peter do? He took off. He took off, ran like a scalding dog down the hillside. And uh, you say, well, John, the, the one that God used to write the Gospels, he must have stayed close to the Lord when the Lord was arrested. What did he do? 
<clears throat> he took off, left his clothes behind. I mean, whoa! I mean, John, John uh, took off, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, you never know, actually, until you're in that situation, but you can tell, a good indicator, if we're living for him now, the obvious progression would we would continue to live for Christ. Pastor? Yeah. I think it was one of those school killings. Columbine. Uh-huh. Columbine. That, that the shooter, he, he would ask them yeah. if they, you know, was, um, if, they, if they were a Christian or, right. and, and they would stand up and he'd shoot them right then. And the, the kids that stood up, they heard testimonies from others. Some backed down, some, you know. Uh, but uh, the ones that stood up, they had been living the Christian life already. It's a good indicator. If I'm not living according to God's plan now, in every area of my life, I, I'll not. If I can't live for him, I'm certainly not going to die for him. That's right. So, this is part of the words that Jesus had shared. He's preparing the disciples for his death. He's not going to be with them all the time. Have you ever uh, left your kids or somebody in charge of something and you were, the first time you were leaving them in charge of something mm -hmm. and you were going away for maybe a day or two and what, what are you what preparations did you do uh, to prepare your young ones for being on their own, so to speak, in your house? Did oh, you when they was big, like teenagers or teens? Well, I didn't never leave my kids little kids <laughs> when they're when they're a kid, you know, and uh, or or we're going on vacation and they have a job and they can't come on vacation. And we give them instructions. You know, I mean, lots of instructions. Lots of instructions. Uh, what were some of your rules? We write down every little thing. <laughs> All the phone numbers. I, uh, yeah. I did my daughter in charge. She wasn't even 20 yet. Yeah. But I have to go work out of town. Mm -hmm. And oh man. You give them all the details. Uh, one of our big things was nobody comes in this house. Oh, that's right. Your friends aren't coming over. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not happening. No parties. And uh, oh, really? Yes, really. We have neighbors watching. But uh, we'll call, and there better not be noise in the background when we call. Uh, so we, we give them all kinds of all kinds of instructions, trying to list every possible thing that could go wrong. <laughs> I mean, it would, I'm thinking back, it had to be very depressing for my kids. Because we were listing every conceivable thing that could have just, now if there's a fire, you know, <laughs> you know we listed everything that could possibly go wrong. And, uh, Jesus is listing everything that is going to go wrong. Yeah. In chapter 13. That we, we 
teach our, our, our young kids to, you need to learn 911. Is the first thing we teach our kids? Yeah. To learn that 911 is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it'll make the news when a little kid does that and yeah. talks intelligently to the, the staff on the other end of the line and, you know, walks them through. My grandma is not answering me. She's slumped in her chair, you know. And, and, you know, it makes the news. But that child had been prepared for the eventuality of bad things happening. Jesus is preparing his disciples for bad times that are coming. And that's what chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 is all about. Before he prays for them, he prepares them. So uh, now look at chapter 14. Now, Let not your heart be troubled. This is just after he told Simon Peter he was going to deny him. And Peter's going, oh, I said I'd never leave him. I'll die for him. And he says, boy, Jesus goes on and says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, you will be also. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to come back with you and transport you if it's through the channel of death or as all of his disciples that were there that day died violent deaths for standing up for Christ. Except John, but it was kind of bad. He was imprisoned on a penal colony surrounded by convicts for preaching the gospel. But God gave him a revelation. Amen. So, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm, I'm leaving with a purpose. I'm preparing a place for you. And, uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus had to have rolled his eyes at that moment. Tom, 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 Tom. Because if you look back before chapter 13, he tells them about the kingdom of heaven is like unto. He gives them kingdom of heaven principles. And uh, he said, we don't know where you're going. Where are you going? Are you leaving? Are leaving? They're thinking he's leaving Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That he's going back to the Galilee or whatever. And he says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? What does Jesus tell him? Thomas, I am. Follow my example. I've given you these words. Now you follow them. So then, the... Look at verse 12 of chapter 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. 
And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's talking about answered prayer. While I'm away, we still need to talk. And you can pray and ask the Heavenly Father in my name. And I'm on it. I'm not leaving you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come again to you. Uh, so, this is all before chapter 17 when he prays for them. Chapter 15. What is chapter 15? What is Jesus telling the disciples in preparation for his leaving? You got to stay connected. Just because I'm out of sight does not mean I should be out of mind. And you need to stay connected like a, a branch to a vine. You're not going to bear fruit if you're disconnected. If you only connect the branch up on a Sunday or a Wednesday, you're never going to bear any fruit. It's not going to happen. You have to have connectivity. Oh, but the can't. Internet connectivity is abysmal. <laughs> abysmal. And we're trying to research things and I'm trying to look up things and I get about halfway through and then the whirling spinner of death appears on my screen. I'm sorry, you're not connected. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's important to stay connected to the true vine. Now look at verse uh, chapter 16. And in 15 he talks about the the Holy Spirit coming to help. While I'm gone, I've got somebody standing in. When the Helper, or the Holy Spirit come, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also will bear witnesses. This is in verse 26 of chapter 15. He will testify of me, and you also bear witness, because you have been with me, from the beginning. Verse 6, chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming when they will, whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Mm. And these things will they do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes you may remember that I told you them. All of these chapters are preparation for him leaving, departing to Calvary. And uh, he talks about while I'm gone I'll not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The comfort, the paraclete. The parakletos in the Greek, and the word is a, a paraclete or a comforter or helper, is somebody that was uh, a real person in the Jewish community. In the Jewish community, uh, there's a period of mourning 
over the loss of a loved one. And they'll wear sackcloth and ashes, or uh, they'll be in mourning for a period of a year. During that period of mourning, intense mourning, they bring somebody alongside to guide them through that process. They're instructed, don't make any major decisions during that time. That's right. Don't make any major decisions. And this person, this Paracletos, he's going to come alongside and guide you in your decision making. And so that was a, a custom that was well ordered. And Jesus is saying, just like that, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And he's not just going to be with you, guiding you into all truth and the right decisions. He's going to be within you. Thank Amen. Yeah. So, so he goes through that and tells them about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit in chapter 16. You say, well, Pastor, this is taking a long time to get to your scripture lesson. Well, it's important. Yeah. Context is important. Jesus has been showing all the stuff to his disciples. It's going to happen when he goes out of town to heaven. And how he's made provision for them. And he's told them all these things. He's taught and taught and taught and, and told them all these things. How many of you have told, like we were using the illustration, told your kids and told your kids and told your kids when you were going out of town, don't forget to do this, do this, do that. Don't, don't ever do that. And, and, you know, call me every night, you know, and, and whatever. Uh, uh, and, but you were concerned that they didn't hear a word you had to say. Any, anybody? Well, your kids were so good. Never a concern. No. What was that again? Stay away from that dope. Yeah. And, and uh, so after he's given all this instruction and teaching and made all these promises, then verse chapter 17, verse 1 again. When Jesus spoke these words, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, then he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. So he, he talks to his father about the coming of Calvary and the cross and his sacrificial death for the sins of the whole world, yours and mine. And he sees it as a glorifying event. We look at it and we see the pain and the suffering the agony and the shame. Jesus looked beyond the cross, despising the shame, and, and sat down, and now sat down at the right hand of the Father. So, Jesus is prepping his disciples for the future of what they're going to face. It's not going to be easy. They hated me. They're going to kill me. They're going to hunt you down and kill you too. Oh. He told them. Now he begins to cover them with prayer. 
the great high priestly prayer. We, we have this, I've left this up for different things because I know it's going to come in handy. The high priest garments. Uh, these are a, a model of the actual garments that the high priest wore. We don't know exactly how it was laid out, but the colors were blended in series. Uh, but we know that the breastplate was just like this. There's the Hebrew words for each of the 12 tribes. And in here it's Hebrew. You can come up and look at it later. Also on the shoulders of the high priest garment. Six on one side and six on the other. On the shoulders. And the symbolism for this is all of the, the children of Israel, every tribe and every person in the tribe, are to be on the high priest's heart when he goes to pray in the Holy Ghost. <coughs> and their oversight is on his shoulders. So the high priest was not only a representative of God to man, but of man to God. And he carried their burdens on his heart. Now you say, well, what about people like Caiaphas? Well, he had the, the garments, but he didn't have the heart. Yeah. You know. the, uh, uh, this is all to symbolize that when Jesus was praying here, his disciples were on his heart. And he was bearing them, it was on his shoulders, to prepare and equip them for what they were going to face. Did that come out of Moses? What? Did that come out of Moses? Did what come out of? The, it came out of the scriptures. It came out of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, I mean, Deuteronomy. Before Moses, they, they did, did the priest. They did not have the priestly garments That's until That's Leviticus, Exodus, and Leviticus. It was instructed. And each part of the garment is symbolic of Christ and him being our great high priest. We'll look at that scripture in a moment. But uh, so uh, I haven't done it here in a while. Maybe, maybe we'll do a series uh, after we're finished with the prayer through and go through <coughs> the symbolism of the great high priest uh, for a symbol for that. Haven't done that in a while. But uh, there's so much symbolism. Every aspect of the garments, even things that he didn't wear, were symbolic. The high priest and all the priesthood had no sandals. They were barefoot when they ministered at the temple. Why? It's a symbol. They're not ministering as lords. They're servants and slaves. We get into problems when ministers, when leaders, whatever, think that they're large and in charge mm -hmm. and have lost their servant's heart. Every, every part, every color, every description is symbolic of Christ and his ministry as our great high priest that we read about in Hebrews 12. It was all put there as a picture of Christ in, in the Old Testament. 
So the, the high priest's role was when he had these garments on, he would go to prayer, he would rule over situations, but he ruled and prayed as a servant, not as a lord. And you say, well, well uh, I've heard about, uh, I didn't bring all the garments out here, but on the blue garment that's underneath this, uh, there were bells and pomegranates around the bottom of it. And I was just talking to somebody about this other day, one of my pet peeves over false teaching. Uh, but, uh, and so when the, wherever the high priest was wearing these regal garments, garments of a king, if you will, uh, you could hear the movement of the bells <coughs> wherever he went. And so when he was in the first part of the, of the tabernacle, which was the holy place, and he would pass by the table of showbread on the right, and the, the candelabra on the left, and the altar of incense where prayers were lifted up, where you could hear him ministering in there in the bells. He was moving and there were the bells. On the Day of Atonement, when he went into the Holy of Holies with an offering of incense and a blood offering to lay it upon the Ark of the Covenant, people falsely teach that they would tie a rope around his ankle so that if he went inside and God struck him dead, they, when they stopped hearing the bells ring, the high priest is dead, we'll pull him out, you know, because nobody was allowed to go in. False. It's not in the Bible. That's false teaching. Uh, because on the Day of Atonement, I'm getting too deep here, but uh, on the Day of i got to finish it now. The Day of Atonement, <laughs> before he went in to the Holy of Holies with a sacrifice, he did not go in as a king. He went in as a servant. And he removed all the regal garments and hung them on a nail outside. And he entered in in a simple servant's white robe with the blood. So, so if he, There were no bells. So they were he, hung. So, so if he keeled over the, the associate priest could go in there and get him. Well, no. There's no provision for his death. You know why? Huh. There was no provision. It was never mentioned in the scriptures. What happens if he dies in there? There's no provision because he was going in with the blood of the Lamb. If the blood of the Lamb can't keep you in the presence of God, what can? That's right. You have no hope. Without the blood, you have no hope. But he had the blood of the sacrifice to lay upon the altar, the Ark of the Covenant, so that the sins of the people were covered for a year. The, it speaks of the power of the blood. There is absolutely zero provision for the high priest to die while serving in the Holy of Holies. Just wasn't a possibility. He was sustained by the power of God. 
when we do the when we do the study, if, if that's where the Lord leads, there is so much. I probably have 78 hours of teaching just on the garments and ministry of the high priest and the priesthood. But that's not today, even though I got stuck there. Okay, sorry. Got to move right. So. How that false teaching was started by Josephus, a Jewish historian who wrote that in his letters. Josephus was a, you know, I have his works, a copy of his works. He was a historian, but he was kind of like today's news reporters. They have an agenda. Josephus he was Jewish and he fought against the Romans until he was defeated. And then they were going to kill him. And he says, I have, I just had a vision of a general. You're going to be promoted to be the Caesar of Rome. So he held off his execution. Sure enough, the guy became Caesar. Yeah, he was the most successful general, but, you know, he killed the previous Caesar, you know, <laughs> and became. But, uh, so they elevated Josephus and uh, made him the historian, the Roman historian, and of anything that related to the Jews. And he told about the Jewish wars and whatever. And in every system, the Romans look really good in his stories. Because that's what side his bread was buttered on. And uh, so when he writes about the tabernacle, or the temple rather, to cater to his Roman benefactors who were keeping him alive, Josephus wrote that all the symbolism <clears throat> within the, the number 12 in the, uh, the temple was related to the Roman zodiac and their belief in celestial beings and gods. No. And uh, he was the one who wrote that the high priest, <clears throat> when he went in and the bells were jingling and he went into the holy place, and they stopped hearing it. They tied a rope around his ankle so they could tug him out. He wasn't smart enough to realize that the bells were hung on a nail, a brass nail, outside judgment, outside the gate, outside the, the curtain. So, I'm sorry. I'm going way off course here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, well, not really, but I'm, I'm kind of sorry. Sorry about my sorry. So, it's called the Great High Priestly Prayer. <clears throat> and uh, I had some other scriptures in here, and I haven't found them yet. Come on now. Where'd we go? 
Well, my goodness gracious, they're gone. They're missed. They're just gone. Okay. They're gone. They're in my notes, but I typed them in here. I just typed this this morning. <laughs> Twilight Zone. Okay, here they are. <laughs> <laughs> my I need somebody to look up and read for me Hebrews 7, 20-25. Look at that. Well, your wife had her hand up first. So. Well, okay. she's got it. She's got it. And then Luke 22, 31-32. You, you got that one. And then James 5, 16. Okay. Jerry's got that one. Okay. And then I got one more. I got one more. I'll turn it back here. Galatians 6, 1-5. We'll take that one. Sean's got that one. Okay. Galatians 6, 1-5. Let me turn it back here. Hebrews 7, 20 through 25. We're talking about the intercession that Jesus is making, this great high priestly prayer for his disciples. <clears throat> and as much as not without an oath, he was made priest. For these priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Okay. So, it's talking about Jesus being our great high priest, and he's after the order of Melchizedek. Anybody remember who Mel was? Yes. When uh, Abraham came back from uh, getting, getting his uh, family back and all the possessions, they swung by Salem or Jerusalem, and Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, he was not a Levitical priest because Levi hadn't been born yet. This is Abraham, you know. This is, you know, this is a priesthood, a sovereign priest of God. And uh, he was serving in Jerusalem at that time. And so Jesus didn't come through the Levitical or Aaronic priesthood, but he was established by God after the order of Melchizedek. And the priesthood continued until they died, right? But Jesus, he died, but he rose again. And he's, he's the victor over death, hell, and the grave. And he is forever making intercession for us according to the will of the Father. He's on the job, and he's never going to be off the job. Amen. He's not going to die again. He died, but he rose from the dead. And he is the, uh, when we get into, if I'm leaning more and more towards this. When we get into this, when we talk about the, the day of atonement, when we talk about the sacrifice when Jesus died on the cross, and, and the words of, of that, and the tearing of the temple bell, and all the rest, it all relates to the ministry of the great high priest. It's all in there. 
and we'll study that sometime. Uh, sometime. Uh, Luke 22, 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift uh, you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that their faith fall not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. Okay. Here we find another aspect of intercession. <coughs> Jesus prayed for Peter. Simon Peter's going through some stuff. He's made some claims, and he's Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to. You are on his target list. And the, the sifting of wheat in those days was they would take the, the, the grains of the wheat and they would rub it in between their hands and get the kernels to come off. And they would just, you remember one of the times the disciples were doing that and the Pharisees said they didn't even wash their hands. So, Satan sometimes <clears throat> wants to sift you like wheat. Not just Simon Peter. But uh, do that for just a second. Would you do that just a second? Rub your hands together for a while. Tight, hard. Getting some warmth there? Yeah. Getting some warmth there? Yeah. Now if there was wheat, kernels of wheat in there, they would be chucking off and falling on the on your lap and whatever on your desk there. Uh, the, the, the concept is Satan wants to move in a variety of directions against us to just get us all hot and bothered, heated up, so that we fall apart. He wants to sift us like wheat. And I was just talking to somebody uh, yesterday. They have so many things hitting on them, and they said, I'm just falling apart. Just falling apart. Oh. Satan wants to have you fall apart. Yes. Because as a Christian, as a born-again believer, you can make an impact on eternity by touching lives. Yes. Well, he'd be a fool not to want to mess you up. And Satan had a hint, hint about Simon Peter's future that he was going to be mightily used to the Lord. Uh, so he wanted to get him out of the way. But Jesus said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He wants to mess you up. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. <laughs> that you fail not. Thank you. Woo! Thank you, Lord. And when you're converted, when you get your act together, you're going to strengthen the brother. And he all of it got his act together, didn't he? along the shores of the Galilee when he saw the resurrected Christ and he dove in and bowed at his feet and feed my sheep. Yes, Lord. If you love me, feed my sheep. And Simon Peter be strengthened the brother. You remember in the book of Acts and then also in the letters of First and Second Peter, that's what Simon Peter's doing. In the book of Acts, he was the main speaker at the day of Pentecost, right? Where 3,000 were saved. And then a few days later, another 5,000 were saved. I mean, it's just booming. 
And then he takes a tour through where all the people were from. And then he writes letters by the Holy Spirit to those strangers in far off places who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He strengthened the brethren when he got his act together. Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm going to get through this lesson. Okay, okay. Moving right along. Uh, James 5.16 Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Pray one for another. This is intercession. Jesus patterned it. He is the great high priest. He is ever making intercession for us, his, his children, according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Jesus, how many of you think the Father might just answer the Son's prayer? Yeah. Yeah. And then he instructs us, we're to not let it stop with us. Yes, I'll receive the prayers of Jesus. We're to pray one for another. And to cover one another in intercessory prayer. Uh, and then Galatians 6. Because sometimes, even those who were born again Christians <coughs> run into difficulties and get into sin, and they need a, a door out. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself blessed you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own life. Okay. You say, well, that sounds contradictory. We're to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, but then each one of us is supposed to bear our own burdens. Well, it makes perfect sense when you think about it from intercessory prayer. We're praying for others, but we need to reach the place where we're also praying and praying back for other people, and we're not dependent upon someone else to be the only one praying for us. We're supposed to grow up. Yes. Amen? Amen? We're to grow up and pray for others and handle our own issues with the help of the Lord. So it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and We don't have time today to go into all of this, but some of the ways that we should intercede. Uh, the, did you notice that what Jesus said in one of the verses we read? He says, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the ones the Father gave me. Hmm. Now, there are times when we intercede for the lost, but there are times when we need to intercede and pray for one another Amen. that we would live the Christian life, that we would, if we're overtaken in a fault, we'd get our repent and get our act together. Uh, we should intercede for other people. We see people going through struggles. We need to intercede that the Lord would guide them and direct them. And we need to pray for one another when, when you see people being burdened down. Have you ever just looked at somebody and knew 
they were going through a hard time. Yeah. Now some people are good actors and they act like, oh, nothing bothers me. Well, they're acting because every one of us Amen. has burdens to bear. Yes, and we need to bear one another's burdens and have a prayer burden for others and lift one another up in prayer because as we've talked about this many times before, in the armor of God, we have the breastplate and the helmet and the shield and the sword and, and our uh, loins are girt and our shoes and everything, but there's nothing for the back. You're the one to cover your brother and sister's back in prayer. I got your back. I got your back. And we need to have each other's back in prayer. If we're just busy praying about our own stuff and we're not praying for others and the things that they're going through, we are, we are doing two things. First of all, we are not fulfilling the law of Christ. Would everybody agree that not fulfilling the law of Christ is a bad thing? Yes. And the second thing is we are leaving them vulnerable to demonic attack, satanic attack. If we're not praying for others and bearing others' burdens and taking it on and being concerned and praying for them, I'm not talking about talking about it. I'm talking about praying for them. We leave them vulnerable. Satan can attack them in those times if they're not covered by the prayers of their brothers and sisters. This is another reason why the family of God, the church, is so important. Yes, Don't forsake yourselves, the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more when you see these bad days approaching. We need one another. Yes. Not because we just need to give each other high fives. We need to be praying for one another, bearing one another's burdens, covering our brother and our sister's back so that they cannot be attacked by the enemy and lose out. We need to be, Jesus set the pattern, we are to be intercessors just like Jesus was. He's the great high priest and he tells us to bear one another's burdens and to pray one for another and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It's God's rule. It's Christ's rule. Yes. Before we go on, any other thoughts about that? Why it's so important to be an intercessor praying. And right here, Jesus is not, he says, I'm not praying for the world right now. Yeah, we need to pray about our world. Yes, we do. We're instructed to pray for kings and those in authority. And the Bible tells us that. But here we're talking about intercession for our brothers and sisters. And it's the law of Christ. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you're, analyze your prayer life, how much is about you and yours, and how much is about others? And covering them, asking the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive. When you <coughs> see somebody, you, you have a burden. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have a burden to pray for somebody. Lord laid some uh, there's an old old chorus do you know it? Yeah. 
Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to win that soul for thee. Put a burden on our heart. If we're so wrapped up in our own little world, other brothers and sisters' lives are not being covered, and they're fair game for the enemy. He's, he's after them. The role of the church, body of believers, is to cover one another, pray one for another, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Anybody else before we move on to our second prayer principle here? Yes? I just wanted to praise my mother. I don't think I ever heard her pray for herself, but she prayed all the time. And I can't prove this, but it's been my experience. I have greater faith when I pray for others than I do for myself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Amen. Oh, Lord! You know, I, I have great faith when I pray for somebody else. And me, I'm, well, if you could, me. I think that's, that's a good thing because we're to pray for each other one another. And your faith to rise up to pray for your brothers and sisters to cover. I, I, I appreciate it so much. Many of you come up and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you as you're, as you're preaching. I'm praying for as you're teaching. That's important to me. Uh, because the enemy's going to attack. You know it. And if I don't have covering from my brothers and sisters, where am I going to get it? Uh, I think the Lord does, like I say, I can't prove it, but the principles are there. Pray one for another and thus fulfill the law of Christ. It's God's rule. It's God's plan. And my faith is bigger for somebody else than it is for me. So, brothers and sisters, let's pray one for another. Yes. Okay. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Yes. I've got to say this. <laughs> I've not noticed this morning. I had a, an appointment this morning. And I didn't know it until I got here. <laughs> Rose had been, Grace was praying for me through this. <laughs> everything that I had to go through from the time I left my front door till I walked into this church building was answered. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no kidding. I mean, it was even to the place to park. <laughs> Praise you know, God. Parking tower. Got right by the door. Praise God. Praise God. It's an important thing. Praying for one another is an important prayer principle. You say, well, that just goes without saying. Well, it, it didn't for Jesus, did it? Chapter 17, he said, Father, I want to talk to you about the boys. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the guys. They got problems. I've told them all this. But you know Pete, and you know Tom, and you know you know Jimmy, and all the rest of them. They, they aren't always listening when I'm talking. Especially Pete. He says, so I'm asking you to, I'm not praying for the world right now, Lord. I'm going to go to the cross for the world. I'm praying for those you gave me. Second principle, 
verses 14 through 19. Can I get somebody to read that for me? Verses 14 through 19. Somebody who hasn't read yet. Anybody who hasn't read yet? What is it? And what side of can't see. We're in the book of John. Paul. 17. Okay. 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 We're starting again. I was talking. Sorry. Okay. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may they also may be sanctified by the truth. Amen. The second prayer principle, the first one is that we're to be intercessors. We're to pray one for another and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus gave us an example. He is the great high priest. He's making intercession for us on a regular basis for every aspect of our lives, and we need to for each other in prayer. Second principle, we're to be in the world, but not inundated by the world. Uh, he prayed for his disciples, I don't ask you to take them out of the world. It, it's not to... The world needs you here. Amen? The world needs you here. And... The world needs a witness, or else how are they going to know? So it's not about being a monk in some monastery someplace, you know, while they're praying 20 hours a day. Well, that's wonderful. But they're not impacting lives. You say, well, you say the prayer? No, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I just want you to keep the world out of them not inundated by the practices and the philosophies and all of the things, the sinfulness of the world. We're to be in the world, not of it. In the world, not inundated by it. Yes. And that's a, that's a tricky thing. Yes. Because we're, we're in, the, in the world. We're living here. But boy, it's frustrating, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Am I the only one frustrated here? You know, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the world, but I don't want the world to sift in to my spirit, into my life, into my philosophies, and the way I go about things. Amen. The dangerous thing is that far too often believers in this current generation are allowing the world to indoctrinate them yes. away from the scriptures and into philosophies that are not biblical. Concepts that are not biblical. Uh, for instance, they'll teach a half-truth. We just gotta love everybody. Yeah. Just gotta love everybody. Well, that's true. But, we, we don't want to love them into hell, do we? Do we need to share with them the truth of God's Word? Remember what Jesus just said here? He says, I gave them their word. I gave them your word, Father. 
And as a result, the world hates them. If you have the Word of God as the direction of your life, bank on it, honey, the world's not going to like you. Because it exposes their sin. You know, the old the, the statement, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And when you throw the light switch on, I told you about that one motel I stayed in. And old Howard Johnson said, we turned the light on and we heard the scurrying of all the And one said, don't ever turn that light out again. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. So we we basically slept in chairs. Went out to the car, got some extra clothes and put them on. Didn't want to trust the blankets. <laughs> yeah. The, the roaches were there. When the lights turned on, they scurried. And the sin is all around us. And they don't like it when the light comes on and exposes the hellishness of their teachings and doctrines and ideas. And you'll have people hate you. But he said, I'm with them. And I'm going to send the Spirit to be with them. And I want you to keep them from the evil one that's trying to destroy them. And I, I want them to pray for one another and bear one another's burdens. We're to be in the world, but the world's not supposed to be in us. That's right. Paul expressed it well. He says, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. And he well, obviously was not in Ohio. But <laughs> whatever state I'm in to be content. And what he was saying is, is I, I've, I've been beaten and I've been praised, and I've been hungry, and I've been starving to death, and I've been beaten, and I've been left alone, and I've learned wherever I am, there I am, in Christ Jesus, and we need to, we're in the world, and the world, get ready for it, they don't like this gospel that makes them give up their sin, they don't like this gospel that's in your face, well it offends me. Well, your sin offends God. And I'd rather offend you a little bit and get you to hear the truth so the Holy Spirit can work on it and convict you and you can repent and spend an eternity without the torments of hell. I have a hunch. I can't prove it. I'm out of time, but I can't prove it. I have a hunch. There's going to be a whole lot of thanksgiving going on in heaven. Maybe somebody you shared a gospel word with, a witness who you prayed for, and they didn't respond very kindly to you at the time. But they're going to thank you in eternity. They're going to praise God that you shared the word of God with them. And I, I have some relatives and some acquaintances and whatever that aren't real crazy about Ken Keen right now. Because they ask what I thought. <laughs> that was a mistake. Well, what do you think about this? Well, it's a hellish 
concept. It's wrong. It's sin. Mm -hmm. Oh. They didn't like that. But I think I'll get a thank you later. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. But I think there'll be some apologies, some thanksgiving for you sharing the word and being a witness, living the Christian life, being in the world, but not inundated by the things of the world. Two very important prayer principles that the Lord would keep us insulated, sanctified. He says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. You heard the last part of those verses there in verse 19. You see, we're in the world, but the word of God in us lets us be aware of what's worldly and what's godly. Yes. Sanctify, separate made clean and then separated unto God. We're to be a vessel of honor for God. Remember that old course? Anybody remember it? A vessel of honor for God. A vessel of honor for God. Sanctified holy so I might be a vessel of honor for God. If you're separated unto God, you're going to show up as a witness. You're going to be a light. Don't hide the light, Jesus said. You're to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Don't hide the light underneath a bushel of excuses and, and compromises. Hiding under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> Amen. We're going to have to stop there today. But the two main principles of prayer that we're dealing with in John. The power of intercession. We need to be intercessors. Pray for one another. Pray one for another. And secondly, be separated. Be in the world, but not the world in you. Sanctify prayer of sanctification. We're going to stop there for today. So, what prayer requests do we have? What are some things that we can intercede, people we can intercede for today? Yes? Um, for Nettie Santos. Yes. He's um, in excruciating pain, back pain. He's going to Nettie was in our church in Eastgate. He was my Royal Ranger leader. His wife, Diana, was the missionette director. And uh, little little short guy from Guatemala. And But he loved the Lord. And he still does. And he's the men's director at a church down in Texas now. And uh, he was going to, we got word from his daughter that they were coming up here and wanted to come to church and, and be with us. Uh, but he, his back, is he's going to have to have back surgery. They can't make it. So would you join with us in praying for Nettie Santos? Nettie Santos. Other prayer requests. Yes? Unsaved loved ones. Yes. Our unsaved loved ones. And Joanne. Yes, Joanne. And Joanne. Joanne, for her to get... Uh, back up and around. Yes. 
about Sarge? How's he doing with pneumonia? Sarge, not, not well. He won't be here tonight again. Uh, Dave, Dave Swigert is battling pneumonia and dizzy, dizzy spells and a few other things. Yes? I have unsafe family members. I have a friend her son is at Riverside. He had an aneurysm. Um, so, you know, he's not safe. And uh, his name is Daryl Hemphill. Daryl Hemphill. So, yeah, he's, he just had the aneurysm and they took him to the emergency room. I, I, not at Riverside, but they transferred him to Riverside. Okay. Here's a person at the, the point of a grave situation. Yeah. We need to pray. We need to intercede. Not only for him, but for those that will come in contact with him. For the word that has been shared at other times to come alive mm -hmm. and bring them, bring him to a place of salvation. Remember the yes. What? Remember the Prime Minister of Israel? He had a pacemaker put in. That's why I heard all of them. Bibi Netanyahu had a pacemaker yes. put in. Yes. I pray for Heidi Smith, the young lady that had the uh, you know, stroke. Mm -hmm. She's still in a nursing home, but I know for a fact that she doesn't, you know, they're not aware of the Lord. So I'm praying that, you know, in that nursing home, someone could come. She don't want visitors, mm -hmm. but her name is Heidi Smith. Pray Heidi Smith. Number one, she'll be saved. I found out I was I was in the snack shop up at Camp Syker yesterday, and somebody came up and says, "Boy, I'm I'm surprised to see you here." And I said, "Oh, really?" He says, "Yeah. Last year we heard that you had a stroke and a heart attack." Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, I, I got COVID the last two days of camp and had to go home early, you know. But uh, uh, news of my demise has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> So I was happy that they were wrong. And they said they've been praying for me. Well, I got better. So praise God. Let's go to prayer right now. Let's intercede for, uh, could you do this, first of all? The person right next to you, on either side, could you reach out and just place a hand upon their shoulder and pray for them? Say, well, I... I don't, I don't know what they need. Well, the Holy Spirit can guide you. Or you can just say, Lord, I don't know. Just be honest. I don't know what they need, but you do. And I pray, Father, for your touch of what they're going through. Could you pray for one another right now? Reach out. person on your right, your left, if there's nobody on that side, then pray double for the other person. And then after that, somebody will lead us out of the word of prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to look down upon I need to put some proper hands upon the Lord. Mighty God, I'm sitting down on the floor of the field. Look down upon our pastor, Lord. Lord, help him guide you. Keep the angels around about him as he travels up to the camp and back, Lord. Put the heads around Protect him from the wilds of the enemy, Lord. 
and our children that are there. We do pray for strength for, for Pastor Carissa and for Rachel that are up there ministering two times a day in the heat to the kids. But the kids are finding Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We give you praise for it all, Father. We pray for this upcoming event this weekend. We pray, Father, that as people come on the grounds to experience the, the, the inflatables and the food and the, the games and the grocery giveaway, that, Father God, you will make this holy ground. And that when they step on the ground, yes, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to them. Yes. The Holy Spirit will begin to draw them to yourself. We're asking for results, Father. Yes. Not to fill out tabulations and float somebody else's boat. We want people born into the kingdom. We give you praise in advance for it. Send us out rejoicing today because it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God.
couldn't believe the stuff. My uncle, every year for Christmas, we would say, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, it's all. Kenny, I, I, I love cologne. Any kind of cologne. I, I just love it. Good aftershaving cologne. So we always bought it. Aftershaving cologne. So we went in there. It was all there in the box. Never been opened. Just box after box. Crate after crate. I, I was thrilled because I love cologne myself. But it, it's, it was teaches. It was just week after week after week. It just after a while you say, oh. And then you remember flooding around. They, they, they had like uh, uh, three cocker spaniels. And there was inch to two inches deep of cocker spaniel fur. Everything. So we had to go outside every once in a while so we could read. Of course, you don't have anything like that, right? No, we have a 90 pound pit bull. Oh. But he's the one that we're eating. He's really sweet for trying to get rid of him. We got everything out. Jack and Ray made the whole house. Just little things left. Same one 
it's on the form. That's what I'm waiting for. So um, I just want to confirm. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk with them in the last two weeks because of working at camp. Yeah. But as soon as I get back next week, I'll get on top of it. Yeah, and yeah, and I have had a good number of speak to Jacqueline now. Yeah. You know, so that was good. Yeah, just call her anytime. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. That'd be cement.
But there's a lot of gods. They don't, the, the Bible's supposed to have uh, or our God's name on it. And it's a beautiful Bible. I like it. It's, it's, but I like my Bible. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I know you want to be kind to them, but the, the problem is. Yeah, I, I'm not. The, the Bible that we have is translated out of Hebrew and Greek and the old manuscripts and everything. And there are 15 different words used in Hebrew and Greek for God. Not just one. And in the, in the Old Testament, El Shaddai, uh, the all-sufficient God, Almighty, it's translated. Uh, Adonai, Lord, uh, those are all translations. Uh, they're, they're all words, words of God, names of God. And so to say that only Jehovah is his name is to deny what the Bible actually says. You know, Jehovah is one name by which he is known. And Jehovah is a loose translation. In Hebrew, there are no vowels. They, they, they don't have A-E-I-O-U. They have consonants only. So it's Yahweh or Jehovah or Yahweh uh, is actual the, the Hebrew if you're going that way. Well, I've been, I've been yeah. struggling, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know me, I can say no. So no. I just, I like the ladies and everything. We have good Bible study every Monday and everything. And they say, well, come to come to our church. Oh, you want to love it, you want to love it, because we all speak Spanish, there's a Spanish sermon. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know, I, I know, I like Spanish service, but I would like the Spanish service, but I'm comfortable where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm happy, I feel, I feel happy. And, and, um, my husband, I, I told my husband they want me to go to their church because they speak Spanish. And, and, uh, and he said, no, no, you're already going over here. You look happy since you start going right there. Why do you want to go up to another church? I don't think so. And I'm like, I don't know. My mind is like all over the place. It just, and I said, you know, for some reason, Lord, you put me here out of the sudden. I don't know how I end up over here, and I feel good. Let it go with that. Yeah, the I believe it was a God thing you come here uh, to have friends and. and I didn't went to church for a long time. Right. I didn't want to. I got invited for to a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. And, and I went to like a couple of times in Rockport so for some time, and I didn't, I didn't feel like belong there. Like, right. and I just quit going. I don't know. Yeah. And and when I just came over here, it's like I feel good, and I keep coming, and I keep coming, even though sometimes I say, no, I ain't gonna go no more. Like today, I didn't feel like I mean, like, no, 
in this. Um, why is that? Well, we're, we're at war. The enemy wants to keep you away from growing close to God. Satan wants to mess with you, like we were saying. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to have you going in a lot of different directions because he doesn't want you to grow close to the Lord. And uh, so he's always going to be doing it. He does that to me. He does that to everybody. And, and you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I, it's, you, you make up your mind, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to, going to learn what I can learn. I don't feel like it, but I'm going anyway. And that's how I got here today because I didn't feel like being here today. I just drove in at midnight last night and I've been working all day up at the camp and everything. But this is, uh, it's a time to fellowship and to grow and to, to laugh together. And it feels good to see everybody and... and yeah, we have a good time and, and uh, we study God's Word and we let the Word speak to us. And, uh, you know, I want you to just think about this. Did, did I ever tell you to stop going here or stop going there? No, I didn't. You know. uh, but they're trying to get you to stop going where you're feeling good. That means they may not have your best interest at heart. By your own statement, you, you feel good, you feel happy. Even your husband notices it. Yeah. And, and, but they're, they're wanting you to do something different. They may not have your best interests at heart. Yeah, because they said, um, oh, you're going to like it so much. We praise the Lord, we sing, we, it's, it's very simple, but you come to our, our, our church, you, you, you won't see no uh, uh, flags of any kind or anything. We don't, we don't pledge the flag. They, they don't, don't uh, they don't uh, believe in the cross either. They, they said they don't believe in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have the flags up to remind us to pray for the whole world to come to Christ. Yeah. Our missionaries. I, I, I would, I would, you know. I think, I think Manny may have something there. He sees that you're happy, and he realizes that makes him happy. You want him in church. That might be a good way to, when he sees what a difference it's making and how because happy he Because he, he, uh, he would not come to me to church, but he, he's like, he's. He's agreed with me. Uh, like I went to sister and help over there in her house, fully yeah. with. He even went one day yeah. Saturday yeah. with me. He wore like, like I didn't know. I, don't, I didn't force him or anything. I told right. him the situation and everything. He said, I'm going to help. Tomorrow we go. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll make sure that I have gas in the car for mm -hmm. me, because he said, are you going to help your sister? Say yes, I can go. Mm -hmm. And then he said, uh, you have Bible study? Yeah. You have gas? 
and he so I think he likes he likes for mm -hmm. me to come. Yeah. He sees it's making a difference. Just keep praying for me. We'll do. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that there's a joy in her heart that even her husband can see. We're asking, Father, that you just just draw her close to you. And these questions and things that come up, just let her say, I'm just gonna follow the Jesus in my heart. And I'm gonna I'm just gonna get close to him. And I pray, Father, that you just help her during this time. It's confusing. We ask Father that you be with her, to help her, and to just make your, your way clear for her. Put the light on so she can see. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Feel more favor. Anytime. Give me a call or come in. What a, ouch, ouch. Didn't, didn't want that to snap like that. Ah. Oh. Oh.